Hey there, thanks for tuning in to Sleepers, Keepers, and Creepers with John and Paul, where we talk fantasy, big and small. And here we are, John. We're here. I'm excited. This is a ton of a ton of stuff to talk about tonight. It, it really is. And, like, and I didn't want to talk to you beforehand because you came over and I want to just rattle all this stuff off. Me and you made a bunch of trades. Yeah. But you don't want to talk about it, so we talk about fresh until the episode records. I like it. I think it's a good idea. I mean, I haven't seen the landscape of the NFL change so rapidly in the mm-hmm. middle of the season, not even at a trade deadline in a mm-hmm. long time. No. Due to injuries, different changing dynamics, like coaches being fired, trades, just, whoa. Right. But I think you, you may not agree with me, but as much as we talked about rebuilding the Reds, if we own the Reds, what we would do, this, that, and that, and as much as people are dogging on the Raiders, I absolutely love what they're doing. Personally, hmm. I, I, it's it's beautiful the uh, to me because with David Carr's contract, if if they screwed over Quill Mack and could pay him, um, you know they they made the mistake there. Truly, they made the mistake before John Gruden ever got there, and given David Carr that contract, they should have realized then that well I think Quill Mack is the better face of the franchise. So yeah. if you're going to dog on them for getting rid of Quill Mack, it's back then when you know he's your He's your future. They should have waited and gave him the huge contract. They you can't really pay both of those and then suit a whole team. I just don't know that's possible with the cap limit. Especially not the veteran team. Like, for them, they, they clearly don't really like their draft picks because they just went out and invested in older players. Yeah. So, yeah. when your whole core, or the core of your offense is basically made up of, like, Amari Cooper and Carr, and you're like, okay, then we're going to fill it in with Lynch, Nelson, Jared Cook, who's been around for a while. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that's really the recipe for a quick rebuild. Like, I think they went for it, being competitive. And I think they realized... I think pretty- they took the cheap route, though. Because now they are able to do their fire sale that I, I wanted the Reds to do this year. I wanted to just... I, I, personally, I'm a fan of fire sale. If you're going to rebuild, do it hard. And now, you know, they don't like Cooper. I mean, he's not an old person, you, you know. But the big thing is, with your franchise quarterback, whether you like him or not, he is your franchise quarterback now. And he did not mesh well with Carr. So yeah. you get rid of him. And now you have the native Oakland first picks, the Khalil Mack, the Amari Cooper. In one draft, you can literally retool the whole franchise. And all the people he's pissing off, it doesn't matter because they're leaving <laughs> Oakland anyway. I mean, I guess that's <laughs> you true. Know? So it's like literally just tear it all down and then move somewhere new and start something great. I'm blown away they got a first-round pick for Cooper. Like, yeah. to me, that was a fantastic trade. Yeah. And Khalil Mack getting two first-round picks isn't getting ripped off. No. Should they have made that, made that trade? I think it's still debatable. I think... It's still debatable, but I think as hard as the media was. Like, if, if the media doesn't exist, and you look at what Chicago's done, it's not like... Khalil Mack is a game-changer, yes, but has he changed many games for the Bears? I don't think so. It's not like with Khalil Mack or without Khalil Mack, they're going to beat the Patriots. Um, I guess you're right. I they mean, lost the Miami Dolphins with Brock Osweiler as their quarterback. So, <laughs> Khalil Mack, you know? I, I think, and he got a little bit too much hype, I will say, early on. Like, people, some of his as soon stats, as the trade was made, people wanted to slay him, the Raiders. Yes. And then that, and they just had a little bit to go with it because the first Monday night game and then went. If you would have got to this point in the season with Khalil Mack on your team... I honestly don't believe the Raiders are any better. I still think their defense has way too many holes. Yeah. And he's just running around barely sacking the quarterback. He's making an impact. He's still sacking the quarterback. But it's not enough plays throughout the game for them to actually be competitive. Right. So if you would have told me that they were going to trade him for two first-round picks now, 
I don't think anybody would have the same opinion that like, oh, they they're just giving up on mm-hmm. the season and they're retooling. Mm-hmm. And I don't think anybody would give them a lot of crap for that, especially when you look at the trade market for other players in the NFL. First round picks are hard to get for another player. I right. watch Pro Bowl players get traded for fifth round picks sometimes. Right. I mean, Carlos Hyde. Carlos Hyde, yeah. So I mean, I I don't really know to tell you the truth. Does Oakland have both of their native first round picks for this year and next year? If they do. That's five first-round picks in two years. That's yeah, that's that's pretty legit. Like as much as you want to dog on them, I personally love it. I love to see all the trades and the acquisitions and the rebuilding process that people go through and how they decide to do it. Yeah. And right now, I'm I'm on board with what they're doing. But it but, looks like it's the right call. I mean, they're just tanking this year, so I mean, they weren't gonna win anyway. Fine by me. Yeah. If you're gonna lose, you might as well lose hard. I me. completely agree. Especially with the way the NFL rewards it. There's no lottery or anything. It just, boom, you get first pick. Thanks. <laughs> I'll take the best player in the draft. I'll have a pick, you know, in the first 10. You'll have a pick in the second 10. And then you'll have, you probably have two picks in the second 10. Probably a top 10 pick with how bad Oakland performs. Mm-hmm. And then, I don't think Chicago is that good of a team, personally. I, well, I think they are. I just hate the way Nagy coaches, personally. I think really? it's obnoxious. I hate seeing Trubisky throw the ball as much because I don't think he's that good. And I think Jordan Howard's proven. And I think if you want to be Chicago, if you want to win, like you can't play the shootout type games. You can't try to out throw with Tom Brady. Like Trubisky, you need to control the time of possession, keep your defense fresh on the, on, on the sideline, and then let him go out there and full-fledged, full energy go get Tom Brady. Like, that's how you want to beat them. You Especially with the yards per carry New England's given up. Like, feed the ball to Jordan Howard, keep your defense on the sideline, and then let them go out there fresh because nobody's going to beat New England in a shutout. Nobody's going to beat Kansas City. I mean, nobody's going to beat New England in a, a shootout. shootout. Yeah. And nobody's going to beat Kansas City in a shootout. Why try to do it with Trubisky, you know? I, I'm torn because to some degree I impre- I'm impressed with that particular offense that Nagy's been able to get some points on the board. However, when you throw that much with a rookie quarterback like that, you're not efficient. Like you said, there's going to be three and outs because of that, because mm-hmm. you're not going to be able to complete the ball a lot. Your weapons are Allen Robinson, who doesn't seem like Tr- Trubisky has any chemistry with at all. You have Trey Burton, who's a growing tight end. I like the direction he's going, and he's good, but he's definitely no Gronk. He's, right. he's not a Kelsey. He's not someone that can carry the whole offense that way. And I agree with you that Jordan Howard is woefully underutilized for some reason in that offense. Mm-hmm. And Cohen's having a huge year because he's a good dump-off target. Mm-hmm. So Trubisky's doing the classic rookie thing and throwing to the big, safe targets in the middle of the field and behind the line of scrimmage with Cohen. He's not doing bad, but he just doesn't need to be the focus. I would agree. And you just look at his volume, and it's completely volume-driven based on his, his yeah. When you look at the last the two games he's had, I think it's the last two, was New England and Tampa Bay, and those defenses aren't anything spectacular. Like, well, he's also got the Miami game in there, and Miami's a little bit better of a defense, but mm-hmm. I mean, it's not Baltimore. They're like, trying to run like the offense that Kansas City, like, and that's where Nagy came from. It, it, it's yeah. running, and I don't. I hope he realizes that Trubisky is a far cry from Mahomes. And even yeah. in, even in Kansas City, I wish they would give the ball to Hunt more. I mean, they did against Cincy, and look what happened. Yeah. Holy moly. Like, all it does is take pressure off Mahomes, and Kareem Hunt's one of the best running backs in the league right now. Yeah, he's really good. I don't see a weakness in his game. Oh, well, that's fun chatter, talking about the climate of the league. Now that we're going to talk about it a little bit more, and let's just go ahead and start tight ends. You cool with that? Sure. Because yeah, that fine. 
I killed tight ends last week. I don't know what I said elsewise, but I just remember the tight end talk and then watching it play out. I said, keep Najoku. I said, sleep on Uzama. And then I said, against your keeper, I was like, nah, I don't like Ebron. Yeah. Boom, 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 bang. Boom, boom, bang. All right. I, I had to eat Ebron hard. I, I thought mathematics, I mean, I guess, yeah, you, you were right. And, and everything you said, even just from the fact that he's just due for a bad game. Mm-hmm. Like, he had a lot of good games in a row. I'm not on the full bail train. I'm not bailing on but, him. But you, you're right. Like, yeah. he was bad play. Unfortunately, I steered you along a lot last week, ladies and gentlemen. So, down from uh, the Frank Gore, play him with confidence. Oh, yeah. for 34 yards. Oh, I got you. I mean, Kenyon Drake had, like, 70 and a touchdown, so I wasn't all wrong about the matchup, I guess, but it feels bad. I have a few more that I'll be mentioning, I think, as we go along. It won't happen that way this week. Mistakes. Yeah, I'm feeling better this week. I'm feeling better. All right, what do you got for... Where do you want to start, tight end? Keeper, sleeper, or creeper? Who do you want to talk about? Um, I kind of want to do keeper. Okay. I think we'll probably share a similar opinion, but maybe not. Maybe okay. Not. We'll Who you see. got? I like Jared Cook this week. Yeah, it can't be. That's not a bad call. The only thing is I had him as a sleeper, just tiered-wise. But yeah. Okay. For me, he is climbing up a little bit of the, the rankings a little bit based on the Oakland situation we kind of mentioned. But with Marshawn Lynch going on IR this last week... Mm-hmm. And then you trade away Amari Cooper. You're looking at that team with their top weapons being Martavius Bryant, Jordy Nelson, Cook, and then Jalen Richards. And in my opinion, that's it. Mm-hmm. I understand there's another name in there that you might be looking at me like, isn't that worth a mention? I have Doug Martin. <laughs> but uh, personally, those are the only weapons I think that are relevant. And so Cook is the one that has had the best games, along with Jordy Nelson so far this season. But both have been a little inconsistent. His targets have dipped a little bit for Jared Cook in, in the games where he's not effective. I don't know how that even happens going forward mm-hmm. with their defense not being great and Jared Cook being so far involved. And this week against Indianapolis, I think it's just a good matchup based on game flow. I think Indianapolis is going to play very well against them and score a lot of points. So I think that his targets will just increase, and I think you should see him be really pretty solid high floor tight end for probably the foreseeable future for the rest of the season. Okay. I, I like I said I think he's gonna have a good game a sleeper this week just because he's put up two points and like one point and some change in the past two weeks so I think people you know he's kind of a sleeper coming into the season so I just thought he maybe drifted back down but that's where I had him that's fair sleeper status but uh, if we're going keeper you know he proved me wrong right last week so let's do it again David Njoku going up against Pittsburgh giving up third most points to tight ends uh, I watched the Cleveland Tampa Bay game which was embarrassing for both teams <laughs> literally it was a horrible game to watch like if you want to just see how bad it was just watch the overtime and it's like the most embarrassing like what are you guys doing like interception fumble like oh i'm in field goal position position Jameis winston and he gets sacked twice and he's back like <laughs> it was one of the ugliest games i've ever seen ever and hugh jackson was got that position because of his offensive mind and it, he's just runs a horrible offense it really looks bad. It, it looks horrible it really looks bad yeah probably my favorite highlight of the game was mayfield's dumb little face he threw at the end was a field goal <laughs> yeah, that was amazing <laughs> i don't think i'm gonna enjoy his personality in the nfl but, <laughs> but Najoku is easily baker mayfield's uh, favorite target especially mm-hmm. i think he's the only one he throws the ball to farther than seven yards out I so. couldn't agree more. <laughs> so go ahead and keep him in there again. 
couldn't agree more. I thought really long and hard about liking him as well, but I didn't as my actual sleeper. I think very good play, though, going forward as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but for my sleeper, I guess since we're rotating keeper to sleeper here, I'm going Trey Burton. So I know we just got done talking about Trubitsky and how the way that we don't really like that they're running that offense, because I agree. I think run first is going to help their team succeed more long term. Mm-hmm. But Nagy loves these crazy play calls of passing and throwing to the running backs and tight ends, and Trubisky seems to be targeting those people. Like, it was like a second down in the red zone, and he brought Chase Daniel into the game to line up as a wideout. <laughs> like, some trickery play. Of course, the play didn't work. And I'm just like, what? In the, in the red zone, when you don't have space, it's yeah. really weird to do some of those trick plays, in my opinion. Sometimes they work. And I've been proved wrong before, but uh, I can't say I love it. It's been nuts. <laughs> Just just the climate of the NFL in general. Like, watching the Tennessee game, I don't know if you saw that one. Uh, I, I did it. not play Derrick Henry this week, which, of course, he had a pretty decent week. And I'm watching those last few plays, and everybody's dogging on Vrabel, going for it, going for it twice and on the two-point conversion. I'm dogging on him because at least, why wouldn't you give the ball to Derrick Henry, 6-3, and especially on the second one, it was like even a half foot closer. He literally could have just fallen into, I don't know. I don't. There's so much passing going on in the NFL, yes. and fans are loving it for the most part because it's high scoring, and they don't really follow that much. And the games are a little bit exciting, but when you're watching it from an offensive scheme, it just doesn't make any sense sometimes. But especially depending on the team that you're looking at, like if you're looking at Tennessee as a good example, they're built to run. Everything mm-hmm. about them is run, run, run. Like Mariota's athletic. You can run a lot of play action and everything off of him, getting outside the pocket on boots and scrambles and things, mm-hmm. and be able to throw to more open receivers. All the receivers are young, so you can lower the amount of plays that they have to memorize by keeping it a little more simple in the pass game mm-hmm. and making more complex run run plays. To me, I wouldn't be bad if they brought back the split back sets for that team because Deion Lewis and Henry can both get the ball and run. And Henry's not even that bad of a receiver when he, he – I mean, he's nowhere near the receiver Deion Lewis is, near it. Um, but just the little dump-offs, he turns into big plays, so – Mm-hmm. I agree with you. Bring them both in. I think if you just run like 60-70% with that, and then your defense isn't bad for Tennessee No, they got one all. of the better defenses in my opinion. And so if you allow them to be the focal point by giving them more rest and then playing around the run, I think you're going to see more success and take shots downfield later to Corey Davis and those young receivers there. And I think you're going to be more successful. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I like Trey Burton this week, I guess. If we're getting back okay. on topic for a tight end for the sleeper. He's going against the Jets. Um, he had his first breakout game, it looked like, last week, which was really nice to see. 11 targets, 9 catches, 126 yards, and a touchdown. But he's been pretty decent most of the year. A lot of touchdowns through his games, and he's floating close to that 50-yard a game to 30 yards a game mm-hmm. sort of window for most of his games. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm hoping that this is going to be that little bit to get him over the edge. But if that's your floor for a tight end this season, I say roll him out there almost every week. And It'd be hard not to. Yeah. And then with Taylor Gabriel being pretty much the only receiver that seems to be getting getting the ball, it's like, or Gabriel, I, I don't know. Like, it's, I just like Burton a lot. And so I, I expect with the creativity of Nagy, they're going to want to keep throwing more. Cohen seems to be really breaking out in that offense just because he seems to fit what Nagy wants to do. I, I honestly don't believe Cohen's that much better than Howard as what we saw from last year. Mm-hmm. It's just they have a very different skill set. I think he prefers to have Cohen in the game more and so if Cohen's going to be in the game more they're going to be throwing more yeah and so I think you're going to be seeing Burton be one of the beneficiaries of that as well it just seems like he's still trying to run his team like his mentor and it's just a way different team like polar opposite teams like you have a very good defense Kansas City does not 
Yeah. They did retool it a little bit in that Cincinnati game. They just schemed better, it seemed. But they saw the same junky players. But anyways, um, my true sleeper, um, I, I did have Cook as a mentioned there, but is, you know, did Najoku sound pretty familiar? Uh, sleeper, Uzama, again. Ooh. Yeah. Why not? Uzama. You got it. They proved me right last time. Uzama at home against Tampa Bay. Everybody was saying that, you know, Tampa Bay's defensive coordinator change really changed the out- outcome of that game. Any team could have guarded what Bal- the Cleveland Browns was trying to do. <laughs> I hated that offense. Like, I love Nick Chubb. There's tons of talent. But they're just giving him the ball like three times, and then Mayfield would just check down for crap. And it just it was garbage. Um I don't know how they put up 24 points. So I'd have to... <laughs> it's all at the end of the game. <laughs> they were behind most of it. Yeah. Landry had a touchdown and Joku had a touchdown, but I still don't know how that happened. I don't know how they moved the ball. It was just so boring. Yeah, it, it's brutal. I was even going to mention that a little later, but I'll bring it up now, I guess, to just save some of that discussion. I said Jarvis Landry was my keeper of the week. Like I thought that he was really a, a, such a reliable play. And, I mean, I guess I wasn't wrong. Like, 97 and a touchdown turns out to be a correct decision to play him that week. And so I'm not inherently wrong, but I couldn't have felt more wrong about the way that went. I expected a completely different scenario against that particular defense. Yeah, I thought Jarvis Landry would be running wide open, catching the ball underneath and moving up the field for tons of yardage, breaking tackles, and maybe being forced the ball a little bit deeper against a softer secondary. I don't even think they're looking for passes farther than seven yards out with Cleveland right now. I agree. And so I think personally that's going to limit his production going forward is because they don't trust Baker Mayfield to throw the ball deep to him at all, or even deep period, maybe. Yeah. I mean, maybe just be, but it seemed like that was when he was most successful in the first few weeks of the season. Well, I, that's what I thought. That's why I was excited to watch him to see how he's progressed. And it, if anything, it just looked like a whole bunch of regression for the entire team. Yeah. The entire team. I agree. And so, I, I don't know. Personally, I'm looking at Jarvis in a little bit different light moving forward. Not that I hate him. I think he still has the highest floor, and PPR is going to be great. Yeah. I play him every week in PPR. But in standard scoring, I don't know if he's as appealing a target as I was imagining he would be. Yeah, we'll look for Uzama to run it back. Uh against Tampa Bay this week. Creeper, it's getting getting close to Halloween. Who's creeping? I think my creeper is Mr. Eric Ebron, actually. As surprising as that is, after I was just calling him my keeper of the week, underrated, looking so good into the future, I'm not, re- I'm not fully regressing all the way, but it was just when I was looking at the tight end position, he seemed like one of the higher-rated tight ends again this week. But there's starting to be talk that Doyle might even be healthy this yeah. week. And so if Doyle's healthy... And even the other tight ends, uh, oh, swoops, no, I can't remember his name. Darn it. Excuse me. But I don't care. There's a third string Swooper. tight end. Swoop, Yeah, I think that's who it is. I think it's like Schwope. So, unfortunately, I, I should have looked that up. I apologize. But there's another tight end that's also questionable this week, but I think he'll be playing. And he, okay. he's been getting touchdowns the last few weeks as well. So, with the tight ends being targeted so heavily, I think Doyle is much more talented than Swope. And I think that it's going to be... Moving back that direction. If Doyle doesn't play, I, I'm feeling better about this play. But I would just say that I don't think he's as reliable as I was thinking, especially with T.Y. Hilton probably being much more effective this game yeah. than he was last game. With yeah. The game flow. You stole him from me. I wanted to go full flush the exact same people I had last <laughs> week. That's why I wanted to tie in first. I have the my keeper, my number one is Joku, my sleeper is Zama, my creeper right here is Ebron. Um, and plus, I think me and you see this Oakland Indianapolis game going a little bit differently. I see a one-win team playing a two-win team, so I don't see a shootout. I just see two crappy teams just doing something out there. 
I see. So I, you're seeing Cleveland, Tampa Bay all over. Yeah, there. pretty much. Like, okay. they don't have the offenses to take advantage of the poor defensive play. It just, it's just a whole hodgepodge of crap. Because Andrew Luck is just a man with a name out there right now, it seems like. Get rid of the Ooh. Buffalo game. Um, who doesn't look good against Buffalo? Either either you look great against Buffalo or, like, it's an underdog, like, where'd that come from? Victory for Buffalo. It does seem about that way. And I don't think you ever see that with Derek Anderson buying quarterback. Huh? <laughs> that's, that's such a sad story for Buffalo that Derek Anderson's your quarterback. Man. But I think it's even sadder that he looked better than every quarterback that's played there. And I'm worried about Josh week. Allen. Already... I mean, it was an option to do Tommy John. Like, congrats. You just killed your prize prospect. Who knows what he looks like. He, he wasn't even looking accurate before he left. No. I mean, I don't blame him. He didn't have much to throw to, and he didn't have any time. But you threw him out there to the slaughter. He got slaughtered. Who knows what he looks like coming back. Like, everybody's dogging on the Raiders. And we want to talk about rebuilding. Raiders versus Bills. Give me Raiders all day. Yeah. They've even missed their window to get anything on LaShawn McCoy. Yeah. When he's been healthy, he's not even looked that good. And he's not looked healthy very much. Mm-hmm. So that, that is the sad place to be is Buffalo. Yeah. And like, like we were saying, the offense just looks so bad. Why would you ever think about putting the rawest quarterback in the whole draft out there mm-hmm. to play with nothing and a bad offensive line? And it seems like, what did you expect? Yeah. To me, this is exactly how I thought things would bo- mostly how play How often out. do you hear of a quarterback needing Tommy John? Like, ugh. It's brutal luck. I mean, it's still unlucky for them, but ugh. Why would you do that? That was so poorly played. Yeah, congratulations. You still had a losing season and you killed your quarterback. I guess you accomplished your mission. And now Derek Anderson's playing quarterback. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> so, Why didn't you just let McCarron just tough it out? And see, just gets... Would they be winning games? Heck no. No. But that guy is at least a guy that maybe you maybe he plays better than what you think. Maybe you trade him whenever Cook or, or I don't know be, be ready. Or like uh, he probably has a garbage season, but he's better than Derek Anderson. Yeah. And if he gets killed, not literally, but if he gets slaughtered out there, at least it's not Josh Allen. Yeah, at least he's a game manager, and it, it's not as embarrassing that you even you know if he's playing, you don't realize that Peterman's on the roster, that, like Peterman, <laughs> like. What a joke. I've never seen anyone play worse ever. It's going to be a long time before you see Buffalo good. It looks that way. New England will... I think before Buffalo's good again, New England will already rebuild after losing Tom Brady and be a better team. But anyways. Um, what a Cold hard facts. <laughs> um, since you stole my creep, Eric Ebron, I'm just going to go with Kittle. I don't like him in the Arizona matchup. I'll try to stray away from that one. I know he's pretty much their most reliable receiver, but... Arizona does a pretty decent job against tight ends. Yeah. Bethard's looked better than he... He, he never really looked too bad, I guess. Uh, he, he was just a solid... He's a solid backup, really, in the NFL. Good for him. Yeah. Better than anything the Bills have to offer. All right. <laughs> By <a lot. laughs> Bills. Shed a tear. All right. Running backs? You want to do it? Sure. We can do running backs. Where do you want to start? I don't care, man. Wherever. Where do you want to start? I kind of want to start Creeper. Okay, let's do it. I think my Creeper this week for running backs is Mr. Mark Ingram against Minnesota. He's my number one Creeper, too. Really? We're on yeah. the same page this yep. week. My goodness. It's amazing that we don't talk about any of this stuff at all. I, I mean, know. We just look at things, get to the exact same conclusion. But the, the list I was looking at for him this week was 
he's rated like 11th. And I, I look at what he's done so far this season in short, short, like sample size. So I understand it's not law for this, but 2.7 yards a carry and 3.3 yards a carry. Mm-hmm. Those are not healthy tearing it up numbers. No. And I understand there's a tough matchup for Baltimore last week. And I did say Mark Ingram does not look like the money play. So I also said Kamara wasn't. I mean, he didn't look great. He had like he got a, a touchdown, touchdown which saved his day. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, he'd be like at six points. But I guess that's a whole other story. But in two games, he's averaging that many yards. Thirty-two yards rushing last week total. Not great. And he's going against Minnesota's defense. It's only given up one rushing touchdown all season. Yeah. And is giving up three point seven yards a carry to running backs. So and and eighty-nine point seven yards total on the ground in average. So like I agree that Ingram is my sleeper there, but I'm not even feeling too confident running Kamara out there, but he is a different back, and it will be a high-scoring game. I think yeah. you see this high-scoring game, I see it a high-scoring game, New Orleans and Minnesota. So with his receiving stuff, there's no way I bench him, but I could still see it being terrifying with Ingram just stealing unnecessary touches. Uh, I do agree. I, I was too afraid to put the bundle together, because I usually like to bundle people into terrible matchups that both will play bad. Or both will play good. I think this is a particular weird example where I think Kamara will just be a fairly effective in the passing game. His yards per carry are going to be lower than even his normal average, which isn't stellar this season. Mm-hmm. But I think he'll be very playable. I think he'll be around at least 60 yards receiving, maybe a touchdown, probably about 20, 30 yards rushing. So I think he, he's okay. But I think Ingram, it's, it's he's completely touchdown dependent in a matchup that people aren't getting touchdowns on the ground for yeah. him. So I would say far away from him. I think he's a very low-end flex play this week. And, and mine is more based on the the Powell injury, the creeper out there out there, and it's Isaiah Crowell. Because I think when mm-hmm. you hear that Powell's out, it's not going to be a split backfield. Everybody thinks Cannon may be okay. But uh, against Chicago, who's given up 3.9 yards per carry and 87.5 on the ground, and Crowell is just... Who knows, man. <laughs> Even with the volume, I don't see it happening against Chicago. I think the Jets kind of just get stomped in this game. There's just so many bad teams in the NFL this year. As much as it pains me. Like, you look at certain teams, they just look like they're a mess, and certain teams look way better than they should. Mm-hmm. Kind of all the way around. Like, even from, like, teams like Seattle, you're looking at them, and you're like, well, Seattle's, I mean, not horrible. They're not losing every game. And then you, to me, I look at how they're actually playing, mm-hmm. and I don't see what I they just feel have like there are four them. or five teams that are legitimately good. And then the rest is just a whole bunch of... But anyways, the Jets have definitely fallen a whole bunch of hodgepodge. And I don't see Isaiah Crowell panning out even with Powell out. Of course, he will be the feature back, but nah, not against the Bears. That's a hard matchup. Yeah. So he's he's my creeper. Although, I mean, neither of these people are top 10 running backs that we're taking a risk on. But True. So let's go to more to the, towards the top end. Let's talk about some keepers up there that we can feel safe about. I kind of have a surprising name for my keeper this week. And, I mean, people might disagree, but it's kind of like, I don't know how, I can't see a, a situation where his floor will ever be lower than, like, what he's done so far this year. And that's James White. With Sonny oh, Michelle yeah. injury happening, and him being pretty heavily involved, even with Sonny Michelle playing well and mm-hmm. getting carries, that New England offense looks impressive. Yeah. Like, getting... All those players back and Edelman back really is, for some reason, the catalyst to make that whole team look a little better. Yeah. But, but James White is going to be the primary back, although he's probably going to be mostly pass catcher, and they're probably going to sign someone also to bolster that running back core because they only got I think they would have already done it. 
I would like to think. Because I think Sony Michelle with no structural damage, I doubt they sign anybody now. I think they just run it out there. You think? I think so. I'd be surprised. I think, to, to me, they're going to sign someone kind of like Jamal Charles was last week for um, Jacksonville. I think Gillisley is a free agent. He still is, yeah. So, but... with him already knowing the scheme, I could see him being signed like midweek to get out there and run only goal line packages for them or something. But... I guess that's kind of a side note and a different discussion for that. I think we'll definitely get into a little later for a lot of this. But for me, I love James White. And so I think he has a super high floor. So far this season, he's had over eight fantasy points in every game. And he's coming off a 21-point game against Chicago, which is not a super friendly running back matchup. So with that being the case against Buffalo, I don't know how he doesn't at least produce over eight points from, no. from a yardage standpoint. And he's getting red zone looks from the passing game, which I did not expect at all from him this season. And a team with Gronk and Edelman being under an underneath receiver and Sonny Michelle playing so well. I don't know how he's gotten in the end zone so many times, but now it's even more open with the Sonny Michelle injury. Yeah. Well, a little personal advice to you. In this keeper league that we run, you have James White. Mm-hmm. I would be trading him if I were you. I think you're already looking towards next season. I am. His stock will never be as high as it is right now. Package him up and get you something to keep next year. Um, I think it is definitely a sell-high time if Michelle ends up looking like not major, major injured. But from all yeah. the reports that are out there, it looks fine. Yeah, he looks be back, good. So. He'll probably be back before Cook's back. <laughs> I know? honestly believe that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Those hamstring injuries, man, they're ridiculous. <laughs> the worst. I'm, I guess I never will experience a hamstring pull in my life because all my tender hamstrings have recovered Somewhat fast and a lot of professionally healthy athletes, so <laughs> <laughs> they just can't do it, man. Yeah, they can't. Bunch of griffies. All right, <laughs> bunch of griffies. Well, then Damn. I'll I'll go with a keeper game. Um, Kansas City and Denver. Keep both if, Kareem Hunt and Philip Lindsay. Philip Lindsay, right now, that is his backfield. Easy, and he's doing a great job mm-hmm. with it. Um, plus, he's doing a good job receiving, so he's not going to get factored out of this game, which I think Kansas City throws up a ton of points because Kareem Hunt is my number one keeper. Denver's giving up 5.3 yards per carry. Kansas City's giving up 5.2. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So both of those backs just fire them up because they're not going to get phased out based on game flow, period. And uh, especially with Royce Freeman dealing with that sprained ankle, too. It's a high sprain. Um, so th- that game... It's going to be a shootout with those two running backs. I think very safe to play. I have them both in this little joke around PPR league I have, so I'm feeling good about that this week. My goodness, it's going to be some points there, I think. <laughs> I do agree. We'll see. What you got sleeping on? This guy I thought about a little bit. I wasn't exactly super sure, and it's kind of frustrating because he's one injury away, I think, from being incredible for the rest of the season if it was like a season-ending injury. And that's on Johnson for the Lions. He's coming off his best game of the year this last week where he had 19 carries, which is the key to me, more so than even his production as the outlier here because to me it's not even that much of an outlier. It's a little bit yeah. of a good game. But 19 carries for 158 yards and then two receptions for 21 yards. No touchdowns, which is, I think, the only reason why I'm looking at him is I think that is a project- projectable thing to keep happening. He's going to have a lot of games with no touchdowns. Because LeGarrette Blunt in all goal line situations is probably going to get the ball. Just mm-hmm. because he's the most proven goal line back probably in the whole NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, and Theo Riddick's coming back, um, I think, this week. Or mm-hmm. at least it's projected that he's coming back this week. So he becomes a little bit more crowded backfield. 
However, Carryon Johnson has over, averaged over five yards a carry in his last five games. Yeah. That is a very solid mark. And to me, that's what I love to look at whenever I'm looking at receivers. And I could say the same about a, a similar guy that I've been preaching about since way back in the preseason. That's Aaron Jones. Usage is the only thing holding them back. And so crowded backfields are a hindrance on these people. So I, I, w- I want to stress that. Kerryon Johnson is probably not going to be a top number one receiver or running back this week because unless he breaks long runs. He did have a 71-yard run this last week as well. So mm-hmm. that did help boost up his average, but he was averaging over eight with that 19 carries. So I'm feeling pretty good. But another thing, though, I don't like that Seattle matchup too much. Uh, the Seattle matchup's not great. I think they're more of a middle-tier run defense from whatever I was looking at mm-hmm. this year. So it's not soft at all. And with the crowded backfield, it's not great. But I really think – I view this guy as a low-ceiling RB2 probably for the rest of the season yep. with the way that his yards per carry. Yeah, I'm not disagree that. So I, I think I see him being rated like somewhere in the low flex range, and I, I think that's just too low. I yeah. think he should be respected a little bit higher this week. I just honestly hate seeing him in Detroit because it just seems like Detroit will never just have a feature back. There's – always just a revolving door a bunch of role players and then they like to throw like Stafford's always just been the primary option in that offense so far and away they've had it's worked out really well with all the playoff wins (laughs) very much so (laughs) with him carrying them through a lot of those playoff wins all by himself with the 80% pass rate 20% run rate yeah right to the Super Bowl a couple times (laughs) if I so close to the big one actually I don't even remember Oh, well, anyways, let me throw out three <laughs> names then. I got him on sleeper status, and I won't talk too much about him. I think number one, if Brita doesn't play, Mostert, or is it Mostart, or is it Raheem Mostert we'll go with. Cause I, that sounds right. I've read about it, read about him too. never heard anybody say his name before. Um, anyways, he's looking so efficient. Um, and Brita's dealing with an ankle sprain. He did not practice today. I don't think he's going to play. And Arizona is 4.4 yards per carry. Um, 148 yards on the ground total to running backs per game right now. And Alfred Morris isn't looking like anything threatening. So I think Raheem is going to have himself a game. All right. Okay. I think Chris Ivory, if LaShawn McCoy doesn't play, is going to be because he's been way more productive than LaShawn McCoy as it is. He's been catching the ball. And in New England, I think he's going to be the only part of that offense that is a legitimate NFL player. I do and, agree with that. And then you're not going to like this after your little cough under the breath, but I think, like I was talking about, the Indianapolis-Oakland game is a hodgepodge. And I actually see, not for the season long, I actually think season long, if you want the pickup to get Marshawn Lynch's drop carries, I think it's Jalen Richard because of how much they will get blown out and how much David Carr likes to check down, and especially in PPR. But in standard, I even think Jalen Richard is going to be safe. But in this game with a combined win total of three games, it's going to be so bad. And John Gruden signed Doug Martin for some reason just drooling at the bit because he loves Doug Martin. And, like, he's went out and said this week, like, he is ready to make Doug Martin a feature back. And he's going to get 18 to 20 carries. And I think the game flow definitely suits that. Do I like Doug Martin outside of this week? But against Indianapolis in this game, I think he's going to see tons of volume. And I wouldn't be surprised if he catches in some touchdowns because both of these teams are horrible. So I completely understand your first two. I agree with the first two. That last one, I don't know if I've ever seen anyone look less appealing to me from a running back period than Doug Martin. 
all I can think of is Trent Richardson. I feel like they both put together one year of high volume, high usage, and they've had a decent decent year. Mm-hmm. And then all of their speed and explosiveness I, I am, is just gone. I am not praising Doug Martin. I am just baffled by how bad Indianapolis and Oakland Raiders are. That hmm. that Oakland's option is Doug Martin to be the guy that's going to get the carries. He's going to get the carries. He will get carries. I will agree with that. And, yeah. and Indianapolis doesn't have the team to stop him. So... I think that Doug Martin's so bad that I think even the Tampa Bay defense could stop him. Tampa like, Bay actually has an exceedingly good run defense, I think. I would have to look at the stats. All I can see is 32nd ranked, but I, I know it's past been killing them most of the year. And they're just so worn out. to see at the balance. I think Vita Vey, though, as he's been healthy, is, he's definitely the run-stopping kind of defensive tackle, and they didn't have him to start. I think, I think they're a little bit more tricky, you know. Especially with how many handoffs we saw to Chubb. He didn't look that effective, in my opinion. Um, of course, I love Chubb season long. But yeah, I yeah. think all three of those running backs are good plays this week. Interesting. I think another trap play is actually David Johnson against um, San Francisco. Because, really? yes, I do. Last time he played San Francisco, he had 19 points. That's great. But he had 55 yards. He just had two touchdowns to save it. If you see him doing that, David Johnson... Hasn't totaled more than 71 yards on the season, but at one other time. And San Francisco, I think, hasn't gave up more than 69 yards to a single running back. Like, they've given up more rushing yards per game, but to a single running back, nobody's had over 69 yards. That screams trap game to me. It's these touchdowns that San Francisco gives up that kind of has their uh, rush defense kind of bloated, looking bad. But... Arizona's not going to move the ball to score that many touchdowns. Unless David Johnson gives a touchdown right now, I just feel like he's kind of a trap. But he's not my creeper because he could easily get a touchdown because as I just talked about the Indianapolis Colts and the Oakland Raiders being bad, (laughs) San Francisco 49ers, due to injury largely, and the Arizona Cardinals are hot garbage. Arizona Cardinals are hard to watch offensively. That is very (laughs) true. just, Just the worst. So there's four of the 32 teams that I just completely blasted. Um, <laughs> apparently we got way more to choose from because apparently no one plays very good football anymore except for the top couple. It's yeah. crazy. It really is, in, in my opinion, kind of the way that the it's looking right now. All right, sir. Quarterbacks or wide receivers? Mm, let's go quarterbacks because I, I want to talk about one difference that we kind of have, I think. Okay. We're talking about our, our differentiation, I think, between one of the games. I think that is Indy-Oakland. So I'm going to start with my keeper for quarterback this week being Andrew Luck. I don't like him on the road. That's it. I think this is a high-scoring game if it's in Indy because Indy will run the table. But in Oakland with that fan base, and I just don't like Andrew Luck. That's just my perception of it. Hmm. But you go ahead. All right. Well, my opinions on Andrew Luck this week against Oakland is that – He's been really hot, actually, recently. So, also, I do agree on Indy's defense, not, not that good. So, I think that even Oakland, in my opinion, will score some points. I just imagine it'll probably be through the air. To me, I, I really just don't like that backfield. And personally, the way I think that the, the game flow is going to work out is that with Indy scoring points, which I think will happen, and that a lot of this hinges on that, I think Richards, like you said, I like him much more. Or Richard? Richards? Yeah, Jalen Richard. So I like him a lot more at running back just because he has the receiving ability and he's produced fairly well from that capacity so far this year. So I think 
he'll be a little better. But I think Andrew Luck, since he's had twenty two over twenty two fantasy points or more in four straight games, he's currently rated third best fantasy quarterback in standard scoring from a historical standpoint, which means that his volume's very high for passing. And then Oakland is the twenty second ranked uh, defense against fantasy quarterbacks this year. So. I, 20 seconds not like bottom it's, it's not that the matchup's golden easy but I think that it's definitely not hard either yeah and so they are 13th in pass yards surrendered so to be fair there is a little bit of risk with this play like you're saying it could end up being one of those nasty ugly grind fest games with a bunch of stuff but I'm going with the hot hand of Andrew Luck against a little bit more difficult matchup also with Jack Doyle possibly coming back this week, I think it's an extra weapon, and T.Y. Hilton coming in second week after the injury. I think T.Y. Hilton's in for a big week, and Aaron Drew Luck's going to be the beneficiary because of that. I like how you say hot hand for a two-win quarterback with one of those wins coming against Buffalo. Hot hand, hot baby. Hand. <laughs> but, I mean, to be fair... Isn't that sad that that's a hot hand for Andrew Luck? What a garbage team Indianapolis has. It's really sad. But, I mean, like, really when you look at their offense, they're, they're scoring a lot of points. In their last four games, they've had 34 points scored against Tennessee, lost by three. That sucks. They scored 24 against the Patriots but got beat down by 14 more. So How I many mean, points did Tennessee put up against them? Tennessee? I don't think they played. Uh, so far, I think they've played the Bengals, Redskins, oh, okay. Eagles, Texans, Patriots, Jets, and Bills. And so... The Patriots game, I'm not really surprised to see a loss, personally, at least, Yeah. with that beatdown. But the Jets was awful. How their defense gave up 42 points to the Jets with all that running, I don't, I don't know. But 34, point, or 34 points scored for their offense in that game, and then 37 against Buffalo. And Buffalo's played fairly okay against some random quarterbacks for some reason this mm-hmm. year. So it's not at least like Tampa Bay's offense for this. So, personally, I think with the way that he's been playing against... I mean, mostly not difficult competition, but I don't think the Raiders are any different than what they have been playing against. I'm looking at the schedule you're showing me, and the toughest defense he's went up against is Washington. Is the way I look at that list. Hmm. I, I would argue Phillies is a little not harder. Pass. Their pass is horrible. They've been getting shelled, but I, I honestly think they're underachieving. I think that defense is They're a underachieving, but they've been that. underachieving all season. True. And I mean, Washington's actually like a top defense when it comes to statistics so far this year. And they scored 21 against them. I mean, that's not... Crazy. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, Marlon Mack's playing a lot better, too. So, I mean, maybe the game flow shifts a little bit less to running a ton. But, personally, I just think Andrew Luck has a good game flow going for him this week, coming off of so many big games. So, I'm I'm saying put him in. I think he's a top-five quarterback this week. I'm surprised he beat the Redskins. (laughs) Anyways. uh, So, who was he for you? Keeper? He was my keeper. I think he's just a lock to play this week. The biggest lock to me is Kirk Cousins. I can't argue one bit that he might be the most the guy I have the most confidence in playing this week well at a high level. There's no Cook again. He probably won't be back. Well, we'll talk about that later. Um, no Cook. I've already talked about every week it seems like I pick the running back that's going up against New Orleans to be the creeper because their rush defense is just good. So Cousins is going to be airing it out. At home against New Orleans, who's given up the second most fantasy points per game, with the defense has been susceptible to this game is just a pure shootout on script, and Kirk Cousins is just so safe this week. With his just talent around him, it's unbelievable. And and he's looked so good. He's looked the part, but I I just don't even think it gets better than that. And to me, the second best that I looked at keeper wise, just safe play was Goff against Green Bay. But oh, okay, I, I like it. Goff has just had such a good season. Um, but those are my two, two keepers. 
I have an interesting deviation. Okay. My creeper this week is actually Jared Goff. Really? Yeah. Versus Green Bay, my, my thought process is Green Bay is giving up the third least passing yards per game so far this season. So with that, I think that it's definitely going to be easier to run against them than pass against them. Their numbers aren't against the run aren't terrible either, so it's not necessarily that they're just never going to throw and then Gurley's just going to go off to an unhuman degree. I do think Jared, or Gurley's going to win this game for them pretty much hands down. That's a whole other kind of story. But Goff has been, in my opinion, very average in the last three games. So far, his last three games have been 321 yards passing, one TD, two picks against Seattle. 201 yards passing, no touchdowns, one interception against Denver. And then 202 yards passing, two touchdowns, no INTs against San Fran. However, to be fair, they won that game right away, right. and he never had to throw again the rest of the game. And against Denver, Todd Gurley ran for 208 yards. Yes, and so to... to in the way I'm thinking about it is because Green Bay is better against the pass and Gurley is literally on fire. I think he's sitting right now in the meeting rooms watching film on fire, his actual body. And they can't put him out. There's just fire extinguishers being blown around him. The room's like filled up with like negative 35 degree temperatures. Still melting that ice. Yeah. He is absolutely unbelievable with the way he's been doing. I think you're only going to see more of that this week. So to me... I think that Jared Goff just won't be utilized a lot. And then Cooper Cup is still doubtful this week. So they have Robert Woods and Cooks. And I think that Green Bay matches up better against Goff than they do against Gurley. So I think you're going to be seeing him be a low-end quarterback one riskier play, in my opinion, this week. Hmm. I just think that if there's a defense that is it's so far into the season to think that they're still inflated. But I definitely think Green Bay's got an inflated defense. I'd love to look at their schedule because... Let's do it. Pull it up. Well, let's, let's do it. Let's I know they see. played Buffalo once, so there's a... <laughs> yeah, that's, that's going to help a little there's bit. There's a garbage game. four yards they got in that hole. They game. played Trubisky once. You know my point on Trubisky. Trubisky Alex early. Smith looks horrible um, so far. It's true. And then, so that's three. But Stafford for one, and then the Vikings for two. So they've had two quality opponents, and then the 49ers last with week Bethard. with Bethard, and they kind of got hit hard by him. Yeah. So they may have Buffalo bloating up their numbers a lot, because I think in that game it was like... They didn't even have, like, 60 yards passing, the, like, the whole game. And Trubisky didn't, I don't think, just based on my memory, I'm sure he did fine, but after the first half, he didn't throw, like, another completion. It felt like it was yeah. horrible. Yeah, he only threw for 171 yards in that game against Green Bay. So, and that was week one when he was looking real bad. But I, I, I think their, their numbers are slightly bloated, but I still think that it's easier to run against them than pass against them for the game flow. Yeah. And I still don't think they're too bad, and that's where they focus a lot of their draft picks. Their top two draft picks this year were cornerbacks, and they played pretty well in the preseason, and so far this year they've been pleasant, a pleasant surprise to me when I've been paying attention. So we'll see. I think that they actually have the two people to match up with their two receivers. If Cooper Cup dresses today, maybe I feel a little differently and less potent or less sure about it. Mm -hmm. But I, don't know. I have a little differing opinion this week. We'll I think see. Off's a little riskier. We will see. It'll be interesting. Moving on down the line, who do you got sleeping this week? <laughs> you're, you're probably going to hate me for this. I won't because I probably have him as my number two. Mitchell Trubisky. Oh, no, I don't have him as my against number two. the Jets. So the Jets don't have a super soft matchup. They're 17th against fantasy quarterbacks this year, but they're not hard. They're like a lower end thing. But is Trubisky at home at least? Uh, I'd have to look, actually. Uh, Trubisky is... Uh, he is at home against okay. the Jets, yes. Well, then in my mind, I've heard way worse things. Continue. <laughs> but 
the way I'm looking at it is uh, the Jets' defense has surrendered multiple touchdown passes in five of its past six outings. Mitchell Trubisky has also, although in the ugliest fashion, thrown for 300-plus yards and multiple touchdowns in each of his last three starts. And six touchdowns and a half. That, that 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 was a thing that happened, but I'm not gonna value that as in the averages of looking at his touchdowns per the last three games because I also believe that was a bit of a fluke. Like that's a little insane. But the thing that really surprised me when I was looking into Trubisky and the way that he's been playing because I looked at where he's rated in the actual points scored this season, and he actually has 245 rushing yards this that's season. That's the tricky thing about him is I don't think he's. Gosh, I don't. It, the NFL is a completely different game this season, and more so than any season I've ever watched it. It's so it pass friendly, but he is Never so been. much just. Of course, Deshaun Watson's a much better runner to to me, but they're the same level winning quarterback right now. It just both of them are just blah. But fantasy wise, you're like thumbs up, right? That's literally how I feel about this because you look at him. He's only like eleven. Yeah, Cam Newton has two hundred and fifty seven rush yards on the season. Yeah. With, like, 51 attempts. Yeah, Trubisky's a sneaky runner, man. Trubisky's had, like, 20 less rushing attempts and only has 12 less yards yeah. and one less touchdown. Yeah. And people look at Cam Newton as being, like, his value comes from his rushing. So, to me, it's almost like you can make the comparison that Trubisky's almost as good of a scrambler as Cam Newton is so far this season. I understand if you're giving me, in a scrambling battle, who's going to rush for more touchdowns, I'm taking Cam Newton all day. Right. I know what you're saying. Stat-wise, paper-wise... Yeah. yeah, and I mentioned a little earlier about, for some reason, their offense doesn't love to give the ball to Howard at all, even though I don't think he looks washed up. But they love Cohen, and so I think with the way that he's been playing, I like Cohen pretty much going forward because Nagy loves him a lot. Mm-hmm. So I think that with him being the pretty much run game and pass game for their team against the Jets team that isn't that good, and I can only see Trubisky having a pretty solid day this week. And this is what I'm saying when I talk about the Bears. Like, if you tell me that... The Bears have the Jets at home, and Jordan Howard gets 25 carries. Who wins this game? The Bears. I'm saying Bears 100%. You tell me they have the Jets at home, Jordan Howard gets 10 to 11 carries, and Trubisky throws the ball 50 times. Who wins the game? Jets, maybe. You know? Like, there's no reason the Jets should ever beat the Bears. But just because he loves to pass it so much with Trubisky, I'm like, I don't know. That could go horribly wrong because Trubisky looks so good right now because of what he's played against. And volume. Like, and the and the volume and it just and they're losing and and mm-hmm. you know unless they are meant to win the game like against Tampa Bay, they're losing. Because Tampa Bay is horrible, which says something about the Browns and how far they've not come all of a sudden. But anyways, yeah. <laughs> <Agreed>. <laughs> I I don't think it's the worst play. I don't I don't disagree with you because of the insane amount of volume he's getting on a team where if they really wanted to be a winning competitive team, I think they're doing it completely wrong from an offensive standpoint. I agree. Um. Because when your defense is giving up like 134 points total on the whole season, you're like, yeah. you should be winning a lot of games. Yeah. But, <laughs> nope, 3-3, three and three, chilling at average. I thought you were going to say Jameis Winston, but I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I have him, when it comes to sleepers in my mind, I have a whole d- low tier of players based on their owning percentage. And I think Winston's an okay sleeper this week just because the absurd amount of volume he gets covers up. He's, he's thrown two picks a game. Yeah. <laughs> He only played a half of one of those games. So he's got six picks on the season. He's like 4-11 and 11 in his last 15 starts or something like that. You're just a horrible winning quarterback. But against Cincinnati, against how bad they looked against Patrick Mahomes, 
as much as I really want, like from a personal standpoint, want to come up with a reason for why that wouldn't happen. Yeah. I can't argue with you. Although I do think Cincinnati plays, I think they take advantage of this cakey defense coming to Cincinnati. I don't care about the defensive coordinator change. That doesn't change anything about that personnel. No. No. When you're 30 sec- like 30 second by a lot. Yeah. Like looking horrible. You yeah. may think that one game, everybody, like the announcers, like, man, this team looks good. They're fresh. They're, they look inspired. <laughs> They're so quick to the ball. Look at Quan Alexander, how quick he is to the ball. Mm-hmm. Dude, <laughs> the Browns are still very brown. <laughs> they haven't wiped themselves clean yet. They're better. And I think they're making some of the right moves. They poopy I, still. They they not they are not. A, they're not a I was excited team. to see them because it had been two weeks since I've watched the game, and I was just like, oh, yeah. what is this <laughs> offense you're running out here, Hugh Jackson? What is this? Oh no. <laughs> All right, but Andy Dalton is the number one sleeper this week. You know, after a couple games where he's kind of underperformed in people's heads, I think against Pittsburgh and uh, again against Kansas City, at home against Tampa Bay, line them up, baby. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I feel like t- Andy Dalton is such a good play this week. Tampa Bay. What a joke. You just, you had me at Tampa Bay defense. Yeah. I'm with you. All right. Creeping. Who are we creeping on? Creeping. We talking quarterbacks? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not so mine, mine was Goff. But I kind of oh. cheated. So oh. you, you go for your creeper. Oh, I remember now. Um, My creeper. I'll throw out here, too, a name that I don't really like, Carson Wentz at Jacksonville. Um, as, despite Jacksonville losing the past couple games, I still don't like that play. Um, just to mention some other names so we get a little bit more volume to our podcast. But my number one is Matt Stafford. Uh, number one creeper. Okay. My number one creeper. He just says, yeah. <laughs> no thanks. And, and I know you kind of think Seattle's more mid-pack, but yeah. Seattle's given up the fewest amount of fancy points in a standard league, two quarterbacks on the season, 260 yards per game. Um, I, I just don't like them. I, I think if you can avoid them, I don't really like Russell Wilson in that game either, honestly, because Detroit's pass defense isn't a joke either. Surprisingly. I just think either of the sleepers I mentioned are better than all three of those quarterbacks this week. But... That's kind of what I'm saying. I can't, there, I can't disagree at all. There isn't a tanking quarterback anymore in the NFL. It's just finding the better play. I agree. I think even though I don't like Matt Stafford, he's still not going to have a week one like he did. Um, Russell Wilson's always kind of crazy. I don't know. I'm so torn. Like, what he's doing, I, I, I want to clarify, I think is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. The fact that he's even put together a couple of good games in a mm-hmm. row, which he has... Unbelievable. Yeah. And, and Baldwin coming back should help him stabilize a little bit more going forward. He finally had a good game last week. But, man, their, t- their offense is just so poorly constructed. I just think they need to – Pete Carroll needs to run the ball like crazy against this Detroit team. Like, I remember when Chris Carson had, like, 34 carries, like, four weeks ago. Yeah. Like, I want to see 40 carries against this Detroit Lions team. Even 40. Yeah, because they can't stop the run to save their lives. <laughs> So. It does feel that way. I mean, Woo. they kind of looked a little better against Miami than what I expected, but they didn't shut down that team for sure. Let's take a little pause here, and we'll be right back. To the wide receivers we go. Yes. And I'll just start with Keeper. And you can even chime in if you have Keeper, just to reiterate, I think that Adam Phelan is on a whole new level. Proved us right again last week. 110 more yards. It's just speechless. Yeah. That is that is my feelings on Adam Thielen this year. Like I 
I looked at him and I saw high floor, low ceiling, wide receiver with Diggs cutting into his production at least sometimes for huge games. And then Thielen would be the odd man out, but always would have above 60 yards. Yeah. And I was like, he's really creeping up there pretty high into the rankings. Not my wildest dreams that I've been like. But there still isn't much separation, honestly, from his floor to his ceiling because his floor is literally hundred higher than most people's houses. <laughs> so, <laughs> Like he's been the reliable I expected. It's just he's reliably in the clouds. Yeah. So good. And like they're talking Calvin Johnson is the last person that's played like this for yeah. this extended a period of time. Yeah. He's one game away, I think, is what I was reading the other day. Well, I think if he doesn't do it against New Orleans, then shame on him. Yeah. They're saying it's like it's meant to be. He's gonna yeah. tie the record for most number of consecutive one hundred yard receiving games. Like that's what we're talking about, ladies and gentlemen. Records. That's right. how he's been record good yeah. for Minnesota so far this year. So yeah, against New Orleans, man. Yeah, I honestly... Who'd you have, though? I didn't pick Thielen almost just out of the fact that it just seems so obvious to me. Like, I'm glad you said it because it needs to be said. Yeah. Like, I want to give him as much hype as humanly possible because Mm -hmm. I think he's defying all logic for how well he's playing that Mm -hmm. offense with weapons all around him, and Mm -hmm. he still is just so consistent. Besides running back, you say weapons all around him, you assume Dalvin Cook's into that factor, but what has really hurt Minnesota is the absence of running. Yeah. And it's not going to start this week. I agree completely. But who I got? A.J. Green. So I went with another really safe keeper. It just seems like I I can't come up with a reason why he's not going to be up in the top five receivers against Tampa Bay. The chemistry between A.J. and Dalton is very well documented. He's very consistent for the most part for A.J. Green. Not feeling consistent, but pretty consistent. Mm -hmm. Soft matchup. I, I honestly just don't know how he's not the primary weapon in this offense. And I think... Tyler Boyd will also have a bounce back week. I kind of both was, of them are sure things. I completely agree. I was disappointed by what t- Tyler Boyd did last week because I was preaching on him as being one of the most underrated like sleeper receivers. Like he needs to get more credit. I still believe that fully. It just sucks that it happened to be a dud on the week where I was saying that he's definitely underrated. I, I just think Cincinnati needs a reset. I think the Pittsburgh game really kind of threw them. I think they're a much better team than they played against Pittsburgh. And I'm not a fan of the Bengals. I know this is we're an Ohio podcast, but I'm not a diehard fan of the Bengals by any means. Can't stand perfect. Um, I think he deserves <laughs> everything that the NFL's going right there on that route. But um, I think Cincinnati is a much better team than what they played against Pittsburgh. I think that threw them. And then I think they were just kind of not prepared mentally after that game against Kansas City. And I think they have a huge regroup game against Tampa Bay and just blow them out. Well, not blow them out because – Winston will just keep throwing the ball like crazy. And their defense can't stop anybody. But yeah. I, I don't know how Tampa Bay ever stops them either. So. I just feel like it's every team scoring touchdowns, but for every one, for every two touchdowns, Cincinnati scores, Tampa Bay scores one kind of thing. I'm leaning toward the same. So I, I think I'm very much along the lines. I think Cincinnati wins, but they're not going to do it in a 7 nothing game. It's no. just literally impossible to happen this week. Yeah, I think the 7 nothing game is impossible to happen in football anymore. But. Yeah. So I like Boyd as well. So I, I kind of want to lump him in there a little bit, but AJ is just way more reliable. Like even in a game where Cincinnati scores like 10 points against mm-hmm. one of the softer defenses, I thought, I think AJ is just... They're just more ready, I don't think, that game. I think they wanted that Pittsburgh game. And they wanted bad, for sure. So, I like AJ. I just don't see any weaknesses. I think he's a really reliable play. Yeah. Yep. For shizzle. Dude, 
I'm excited to talk about sleepers, though. Because as much as we've dogged Oakland as being a bad team, how I don't think Doug Martin is a legitimate talent. There is a legitimate talent on that team. You mentioned him on the offseason. I didn't like him because I thought Cooper was in his way. But now when it comes to the elder Jordy Nelson, who has popped off a couple games. Surprisingly. But he does not look... He's not he's the not, Rodgers deep threat. He is. He's not. Yeah. He's. He's. He's probably had his two best games of the season already. I would be blown despite away despite the lack of options outside of him. Cook is also a little bit advanced in age for a football player. Um, he does look good. I think he has a solid option for the rest of the season. But if he is not suspended, and he already has shown me a little bit better rapport with Carr than um, Cooper, and he hasn't. He we wasn't really there for the preseason. Yeah. And he got cut, and then he came back. And now they've had their bye week together. Martavis Bryant. I, I think, looking at most people's benches, I have no idea how you don't at least take the risk and cut somebody for him because he is easily the most talented wide receiver in Oakland, period. Period. So right why right. not take the risk? Because he is a supreme talent. That's always been what everyone's been saying since the beginning. And somebody's got to catch something in Oakland. <laughs> yes. And I, I love Martavis Bryant as a, as a pickup. I, I don't love him. I still think it could go horribly wrong. I, I'm not completely wrong. But for the upside there, I think you have to make sure he is owned. I can't disagree with you. And, and like you said, from the beginning of the year, I thought he was super appealing. If I felt real bad when he got cut right away. And you're like, well, I, guess I really <laughs> thought he was the linchpin of your whole offense. But okay, you're just going to cut him, fine. So for me, I just see, yeah, athleticism, deep threat, has the ability to really fit in well as the most athletic guy to push them down the field. Mm-hmm. I thought that complimented everyone, including Jordy Nelson, Cook, and uh, Cooper. And I thought they were just going to run a vertical passing game in mm-hmm. Oakland, but... I guess they're getting rid of a lot of players, so but I can't argue with you. I think even as a flex option, if you roll the dice with him this week, I'm rolling with him as wide receiver three this week. Sadly, I, I don't want to, but we looked at my buys, which Keenan Allen is on buy. <laughs> it's a little hard to watch. Amari uh, Cooper isn't the guy I thought he was going to be. He's on buy yeah. too because Dallas got him all of a sudden, and then Corey Davis also is not like I was really looking forward to playing him with what that offense has looked like. But he's still super talented, and he was on buy, and I was like, man. I got to go with somebody, so why not Martavis Bryant? I mean, I wouldn't be super surprised if I saw this week he caught a 60-yard touchdown just because they're going to probably give him at least 10 targets. Yeah. I don't know how the offense does I don't know how he doesn't get that many targets, exactly. But let me throw another sleeper out there, and and I'm not playing him because he doesn't have the rapport, which is kind of crazy because Martavis Bryant doesn't have through-the-roof rapport in this offense. But just the way he's been treated has been horrible, but now he's easily, again, in the same spot, I think he's been the most talented receiver on the team all season. No love. Um, his agent came out and spoke for him and told told the coach he was incompetent. <laughs> and he's never really panned out, but Devontae Parker. He's another guy. I don't think it's as pretty as a situation as Martavis Bryant's in. Yeah. But I still think he is another person we you at least take the risk on because of his upside. Because he is way more talented, I think, than Albert Wilson, than Kenny Stills, than 33-year-old Julian Edelman. Uh, they're like the same person. Danny really and Dola. <laughs> one's tough, one's fragile, but they yeah. play the same game. Yeah. Um, 
I, I just think Devontae Parker, because of injuries, with, with keeping him back, if Tannehill was playing this week, I'm saying, well, maybe you just roll the dice kind of like the same way with Martavis Bryant because they got some rapport. But with Osweiler, I don't trust anything there. I'm amazed how well he's played so far. And it's not been too, too well. But it has been... <laughs> no, no. Especially no. in Houston, though, on a revenge game. I just... I love Devontae Parker based on his upside again. I don't I don't think he's reliable by any means. And it could also go horribly wrong, and he's not worth it at all. But for the upside pick, based on what the wide receivers has been this year, which is there's like the top 14 plays, and then there's just hot, like garbage outside of that. It really is. When you can get like people at like 17 rated sometimes for Marvin Jones, and you look at his actual production so far this year, and it's just, it's literally his name propelling him all the way up to there because there's no one else to even challenge that. Yeah. Like they, people are hoping that their season long projections will average out. So, so I think it is a little thin. Those are two wide receivers I picked up just based on their upside because they could both be legitimate number one wide receivers for the second half of the season for their teams. I definitely like Bryant. I'm a little more skeptical on Parker, but maybe it's just because I've been burned like two years picking him up as like a late round flyer, and he never, yeah. never plays football. But yeah. if he can get healthy, I honestly thought his talent was some of the most ever come out of the draft. So maybe. Yeah. There's worse claims, that's for sure, at this point in the season. Who do who'd you rather pick up, Amendola or Parker? That's so hard. I might go Amendola simply because I, I Parker never plays. But if if I can get one good game out of Parker, I'm dropping Amendola like it's hot. Just yeah. As soon as it's over, boom, he's on the bench. I'm going with Parker. But I need to see something for me. I, I don't know what our four sides are. I don't know if we're talking about this at all. But I, I Amendola, yes, will lead in targets this week for sure. But what will he do with them? I, I don't. He's know. completely underneath. So from yeah. a fantasy perspective, yeah, I mean. You'll lead in targets. You got Osweiler, and he's al- he's already dealing with a shoulder injury himself. He's not the healthiest cat ever. So I just take the the upside there with Parker. That's a fair point. That's all. Okay, okay. What you got? So I thought about two. I, I'll kind of just reference for the sleepers this week. Uh, ones that are kind of a bigger, or they're both kind of bigger name guys. But I just want to kind of stress that I like them more than what other people do. T. Y. Hilton is one. I just, I've already kind of talked about it, so I won't go too far into depth. But Oakland has given up a league-high 15.3 yards per catch to wideouts this season. T.Y. Hilton's a deep threat. One plus one equals two to me. I just uh, I think, really, he's going to have a huge game. Yeah, imagine if he had a quarterback and threw it past 12 yards. Would be kind of special <laughs> if we had, in his prime, Andrew Luck free shoulder injury. In his prime, he's like 28. That's <laughs> <laughs> horribly sad. I mean, I hate it for him, but it does. It hurts. But I think even so, with <laughs> Andrew Luck's incoming noodle arm, I don't think it's quite there yet. So I think I like T.Y. Hilton, even uh, in this offense. But my primary guy that I can't believe, like I was just kind of talking a minute ago <laughs> during our break, actually, about what I was going to talk about for this. I can't believe it. Emmanuel Sanders right now is being rated at like 14, mm-hmm. according to ESPN, on their cumulative expert rankings. And I don't have any idea how that adds up in this particular week, in this matchup, with the way that Emmanuel Sanders has been playing. Mm-hmm. Kansas City's defense, and, and I'm going to go over the counterpoint for maybe, maybe this is what they're looking at. Kansas City's defense versus wide receivers this year surprised me on how decent they were from a fantasy point perspective per game. They're currently 17th against fantasy wide receivers per week. However, you look at their passing yards per game surrendered, and it's like second highest in the league behind Tampa yeah. Bay. So 
to me, some of that might be just bad luck that the open receivers just happen to be tight ends. Or maybe they don't have anyone to cover tight ends. But Emmanuel Sanders can be all over the field. And so if I'm looking at Emmanuel Sanders in this particular matchup, it's going to be some scoring. Kansas City just has to score to win. And Denver, like Paul mentioned earlier, has no run defense at all. So I know that at least there's going to be points scored somehow because Mm -hmm. of that. And they can definitely throw a little bit. And I think it's to Emmanuel Sanders. He is currently the third overall rated wide receiver in fantasy points and standard scoring. And he's not rated in the top 10 against Uh, a, a... to me, it seems like at least a game flow matchup of positive. Yeah. I don't know how he's not rated as a wideout one. So to me, he's a, he's a must play this week. I think he's a must play. Yeah. And Demarius Thomas just doesn't scare me. It seems like he catches a garbage time touchdown every game to just bloat his numbers up. But maybe that's him getting involved. It's hard to say. <laughs> Emmanuel Sanders just clearly seems like the focal point of the offense from the passing game in comparison to Demarius. So I say roll with Sanders. Who are you creeping on? Creeping. I'm going to go over it a little more. I mentioned it earlier, but Jarvis Landry versus Pittsburgh. Um, I liked what I saw from Jarvis Landry to some degree from the scoreline perspective, but with the way that he's just only involved underneath. Like, his yards per catch and his inconsistency, even in a couple of games, makes it so hard for me to trust. Like, the fact that his yards per catch for pretty much in a lot of matchups this year are under 10 yards a catch, mm-hmm. he's getting a huge number of targets. So I think his floor is still pretty high in games where they don't, I mean, they should have to throw at least a little bit to stay relevant. And he is the most targeted wide receiver in this offense. So I don't want to overstate it too much about don't play him, but I think he's being a little overrated. I think there's some risk here against Pittsburgh, even though it is a pass first game, I have him more on the flex. I think he's a little bit closer to like the 25th rated receiver just because his upside is not that great. I kind of see him a little bit more along the Amendola lines and the Edelman lines of these underneath guys rather than the upside guys. And I think it just be, it's probably just because Mayfield is lacking chemistry with them. Yeah, it could change at a heartbeat as soon as they run like legitimate offense with Cleveland, but it's not happened yet. Yeah, so I'm liking Njoku a lot, like you were saying, because it seems like there's actually chemistry to throw beyond three yards down the field with that. Mm-hmm. I just don't see that with Landry, so I just want to temper expectations coming off of that last game. I think, although it seemed good with a 97 yards and a touchdown, that is with an overtime in there and extra time, and at half, the Landry's numbers were terrible. I just don't know why they dialed it back so hard in Cleveland. I don't know, because... Uh, we, we were mentioning that earlier. I don't understand why Duke Johnson doesn't get the mall born. Cleveland. <laughs> I don't know. I love Chubb. I think he's going to have a great career. But yeah. I think, especially with the way that they're trying to run offense right now, Duke Johnson should be back there. They dump everything three yards or shorter, and Duke Johnson's great at that. And the, he's, like, the best in the league at that. Like, when it comes to the type of satellite backs that are being so productive right now, Duke Johnson's probably number one talent-wise. Definitely, like, the efficiency. Every time he touches the ball, he's like, well, that looked like a one-yard gain. He just turned into 11. And I, I don't understand how he doesn't have more touches. I think that is just horrible. You know, especially one week after getting rid of uh, Carlos Hyde, he should have been way more involved in that game. Because that's the only thing that made sense to me was like, oh, you're trading Hyde because you can get Duke Johnson and Chubb involved, and you'll run a similar offense, maybe even more dynamic, and it's cheaper, and you can get a fifth round pick out of it. Yeah, like why not do that? Yeah, but then it was all Chubb, and which is I mean good for Chubb, and I think like you said, I, I like him too going forward. I think it'll be great. But Duke Johnson should be more involved if they want to win. Should be way more involved. Yeah. Mm. They should be mimicking New England's offense the best they can. Not passing the ball like 
Mayfield is nowhere near the passer Tom Brady is, period. Yeah, he can't With their running runners, backs, though, yeah. they should be handling exactly the way they handle Sonny Michelle and James White. That's the mix-up, and that's I think it should be more Duke Johnson 60% and Chubb 40% right now. But I don't know. I don't understand why Hugh Jackson just dislikes Duke Johnson. It's strange. Um, it's like one of the, it's probably his most gifted, talented offensive player right now, in his prime. Probably, probably. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I'm not saying he he's, he doesn't need to be running behind the tackles, but he is kind of like the Tyreek Hill of that team to me. Kind of like he can do special thing. He can't do as special things as Tyreek Hill. He's not that quick, not that gifted. But with what Cleveland has to offer, he needs to have more touches. Flat. Boom. Put put him in the slot, put him in the backfield, throw him the ball. I don't know why they don't do it. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. Don't get it. I'm with you. Especially with the little check down crap offense they're playing anyways. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Creeper this week. Number one is Golden Tate. I've owned him two seasons in a row. Always starts out, whoa, this is the season. This is it. Like the first four games, he's just fantastic. I can trust him so much. And then he tapers, and then he ta- and then I'm just like, do I even play him this week? And against Seattle, I don't even with with that crowded. Everybody's talking about the emergence of Galladay limiting Marvin Jones, but I think as we see the season go on, the emergence of Galladay really limits Golden Tate as well. And it just this is like the what I perceive the Los Angeles Rams situation: Cooks, Woods, and Cup. There's no way all three of those are going to be that good. Yeah, but they can be. Insane. But that is Los Angeles, Detroit, Galladay. Marvin Jones and Tate. No way all three of them can be that good. Exactly. No way all three of them can be that good. And especially... <laughs> especially now with the running backs no. breaking out and they want to get touched to three different ones. Yeah. So, um, against Seattle especially, I just don't like Golden Tate this week. And go vice versa, I'll give you another creeper. I don't like Doug Baldwin against Detroit. Um, I know he busted out for like 81 or 91 yards last the last time they played. And Detroit is just a deceivingly good pass defensive team. I actually think that that is a surprisingly low-scoring game in my head. That's what adds up to me as well. I completely agree that Slay is probably going to be on Baldwin the whole game, and and Slay is a very good cornerback. So. And Seattle should win if they decide that they want to run the ball like crazy. That's literally, like, if Pete Carroll tuned into this podcast and listened, like, I just gave you the game. Because if you hand the running <laughs> ball, the running backs you have – Rashad Penny will be effective. Mike Davis has been the most effective of three. Chris Carson will be effective. If you just hand the ball off 40 times and rotate those running backs, they're the same person, all three of them. (laughs) You will control time of possession. You'll keep your your defense fresh. Mm -hmm. And Seattle will have a much easier time running on Detroit than Detroit would on Seattle. So Seattle should win that game. That's, That's my perception of it. But watch, Detroit will win because for some reason everybody's throwing the ball. And Detroit just beats everyone they're not supposed to. Yeah. Well, Detroit beats everybody that doesn't have a true running game. Green Bay, not a true running game. New England didn't have a true running game at that point in time. Yeah. And that's why they won those two games. Outside of that, they just can't stop the run, period. Yeah, that's true. Especially the first few weeks against the Jets and the 49ers, you're like, oh my goodness, what? (laughs) They're never going to win a game because they can't stop anybody. That is, you want to beat the Lions? Just run the ball. I don't care even who with it. Jamal Charles just got cut. Bring him back. He'll run on the Detroit Lions. I don't care. I don't care who. Bring him in. Doesn't matter. Yeah. And that's an interesting point. Like, 
are all three of the Seattle Seahawks running back. If, if you told me that there's going to be 50 carries for the Seattle Seahawks <laughs> running backs, if you told me they're going to have 50 carries, I'd play all three of them. <laughs> running back one, two, and three. You know, but, but if, if I knew that Seattle would hand the ball 50 times, but they probably won't. Because yeah. that's the way the NFL is. So there's probably going to be like 22 total carries. And uh, It'd be like 7-7-7. Seven, seven, seven. And I'll just watch <laughs> the home. game. Yeah. And I'll just watch the game yards. and be like, oh, man, this is so obnoxious. Because it's... <laughs> <sighs> all right, all right. Like this passing football. You don't like it. I don't really like it that much. All, no. your, all your bruiser running backs aren't, aren't getting the ball. They're not getting the ball. But it just takes away from the game. I don't. I don't know. I like when it was well played on both sides and the true legitimately good teams shined. I don't. I wish defense was played. That's that's the like, thing is I just miss defense. And because running game forced you to the opposing team to play defense. But if you only get seven yards, if you get seven yards per run, that is yeah. unbelievable. But that's less than what you're getting per pass attempt, basically yeah. by every average quarterback in the NFL. And that's the thing. That's what it is. Is I hate to say it, but you're at a disadvantage. As much as I preach running the ball, it feels like in this podcast, you're at a disadvantage if you do run the ball because of how catered to. Like, right now in the NFL, you have seven linemen if you add the referees. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're protecting the quarterback better than most centers are. So, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, it's just it's a passing league, and you're at a disadvantage if you don't take advantage of it because it is so catered to not only how easy the Wider, the quarterbacks are catered to, but the wide receivers too. With the defense, there's no big hits in the NFL anymore. No, only with the running game. Like only when the running back lowers his head into a linebacker that lowers his head, that's the only big hit you're going to see in the game anymore. Yeah, everything else is illegal. So I mean, and and that's why, and they'll have to fix it. I think. I mean, the ratings are through the roof because all the Fairweather fans that don't really care about football are there for the touchdowns and the big passes. But I just can't see how people. Especially like NFL veterans like this. Definitely not old school people. No, like I mean, I'm driven nuts by the roughing the passer penalties that are just that look so. I'd rather them just call it flag football and go for it. I mean, they'll get their same result. Yeah, it, it's, it's just it's, not covering it up. And people will be upset if you say flag football, but is it really any different? It, I don't really think so. What big hit is there? I don't. I mean, there's defensive linemen wrapping up running backs and letting them go because they're afraid of hitting them too hard. Yeah. Same with quarterbacks. Yeah. Like, Tom Brady got wrapped up, and the guy's like, mm, I'm definitely getting flagged <laughs> if I throw this guy Yeah, if I ground. take Brady to the ground, so it's a flag. So let him go, and then he runs for like 12 yards, and then Brady laughs at him and then calls him out in an interview, and you're like, well, what do you want him to do? Give, give you 15 yards because it's an automatic first down? Right. Like, I don't know what you're supposed to do as a defensive player. It's been a lot less fun to watch this year for me. I think the closeness of a lot of games has been fun, but eh, it's also hard to watch at times. I think it's so. going to have to get old. Like, it's been fun as a change, the closeness and all that, but it's going to get old. Like, I don't know. I just hope it corrects itself where a team fully commits to a Smash Mouth team and then has a nice, soft, finesse defense to counter the pass, and then they pound over everybody else that doesn't have that, and they match up well, but... If you can't pass rush, you can't counter the pass, though. And the NFL's made it to where you can't pass rush, so... Yeah, I guess you're right there. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. Anyways, kickers. Uh, a couple kickers. Fairbairn for uh, Houston is a great matchup this week. I think Bullock for Cincinnati is a great matchup. They got Fairbairn, Miami at home. And uh, Cincinnati's Tampa Bay at home. Both just great uh, matchups, I think. Defense, if you don't have a... You know, a solid defensive play. I hope you already picked up New England if they were available against Buffalo. 
because there may not be good defense anymore, but there still is Derek Anderson. And then <laughs> I think Pittsburgh versus Cleveland off of a bye, I think, is deceivingly pretty okay play. If you really had to stream somebody, I think Pittsburgh's okay. Yeah, I agree with that. Is that it? You disagree with it? I agree. Heck with it. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I think if I had to pick somebody, I guess, that would be kind of surprising. Uh, maybe Jets versus Chicago. I mean, the Jets have been a pretty good fantasy defense so far this year, and Chicago with the Trubitsky occasionally does turn the ball over. But I think it's pretty volatile. Like, you could get real burned on that matchup for that. Yeah. A safer low-scoring one, if you really wanted, I guess, would be something like maybe Cardinals against San Francisco. I don't love the Cardinals' defense, but San Francisco, I can't see them light it up for 35. But then again, they did against Green Bay last week. So, to me, there's not a lot of real great streamers that I see for defenses. I think where you're at's the right yeah. move. I, I don't think I could ever play Arizona's defense because of how bad Rosen is. It hurts. But, cool. Thanks for the insight there. And let's move on to an, our feature where we talk about some interesting players on the move that you could probably snag in the free agency. Um our studs and our duds. Yes. So, if you got a chance to look at some some uds players here, what you got? Got a lot of running back opinions this yeah. week is what I got. Studs and duds. Um, do you want do you want to start this week or I can't cuz I know you're going to slam Doug Martin. Um, yes. <laughs> you're correct. But there's 17 carries to be had from Oakland on average that Marshawn Lynch has given up. And I think if you can get both Richard and Martin, that's fantastic. Do it. Uh, because if it's going to be a crap game, then Doug Martin is the play. If, this, if somehow they manage to have a close game, Doug Martin is going to get the volume that's going to make him good. He's not a good running back, period. He's not talented. He, he's not going to be flashy, but he's going to get the carries because John Gruden loves Doug Martin in every interview ever. Um, Doug Martin's going to get tons of carries and will get volume out of that. If Oakland is going to lose the game, which they most likely will lose most of these games, Richard is the play because his floor has been insane. I think in standard scoring, he hasn't had lower than six points. PPR, it's going to be much higher than that. And they just check down the ball like crazy. So I think Richard is going to be the safer play as soon as they play a better team. Um, so perceive the game as that. And I think both of those pickups are fine just because the amount of volume Lynch is leaving behind, not because I think they're talented. So go ahead and bash him. That's a fair perspective. But I hate Doug Martin. So I know he'll probably get the volume, but like the last time I saw Doug Martin receive meaningful carries in a game, he was averaging under like three yards carry. Yeah. So the amount of inefficiency there is probably insane. I, don't, I, won't, I won't even argue that he won't get 15 carries this game, but I just think it is 15 carries for 30 yards flat. Like... That, that's what, about the last time I saw him I just won't play. say it because it's against Indianapolis. I just can't. I, I mean, Indy's D is fairly favorable. But I think even they stop him. But who I do like is Jalen Richards. I do completely agree. I think Richards, the guy to own going forward. I think even in this game, I foresee more passing for Indy. And I think they get out ahead. I think Richards will be the one getting a lot of receptions in the backfield as like the James White sort of dump-off guy. And I like him especially because they were using him earlier with Marshawn Lynch, who was playing pretty well this year. Mm-hmm. So Marshawn Lynch, in my opinion, is just an all-around better, exact carbon copy in every way, just better than Doug Martin. So I think they want to keep that same game plan by using Martin, but I think they're going to be forced to go with Richards because he's more productive. So in my opinion, Richards is owned in 65% of leagues, and Doug Martin's available in 66 according to ESPN right now. So 
they're both about the same availability. And to me, I would always go Richards going forward with that. We've talked about this Oakland Indy game way too so much. So much. I, I, I almost it's not regret, worth it. I almost regret it, but I thought it was going to be under the radar <laughs> coming into this game, or coming into this week with you, so I'm kind of just surprised that yeah. <laughs> we just keep circling back. It's maybe. horrible. Don't want to talk about them anymore. <laughs> All right. I think I'm done. Unless we have it. No, we have more. So, okay. In our fantasy Son of a gun. Seconds. Well, we'll just breathe it's in. It's never dead. The game of the week, Oakland versus <laughs> yeah. Indy. All the fantasy stuff on the line. I guess it's just more that there's a lot of things to be had and claimed from these teams because there's just so much change. I don't. We'll know. just say like, it's uh, Oakland's interesting because they traded somebody for a first round draft pick, and that's what we're talking about. We're talking and then a season ending running back injury for like a feature back. Yeah, I guess. Let's stop talking about this game. Okay, one more thing, real quick. Marlon Mack, if he's not owned in any leagues, I would go after Marlon Mack. He seems like he's won the job for the fit, the primary back. Yeah. He, he's not owned in a lot, or he's not available in a lot. I think he's only available in like 26% of leagues, so... Which I'm glad he got another chance, but if you're in Indianapolis, why do you waste a fourth and a fifth round draft pick in this last draft to get two more running backs if you think Marlon Mack can still pan out? Like, what are you doing in Indianapolis? I, we can't stop talking about him. We can't. I can't get away from the stupidity. Yeah. Like, I, I want to just glaze over it, but it doesn't make any sense. Like, preseason... I completely stand by our decisions making the most sense. For yeah. both of us, like the rookie running backs more than Marlon Mack. He's just always nicked up. He's never won the starting job. He's never done Can't enough pass blocks. Can, like, carries. They drafted two more, and they had they brought in Robert Turbin. It's like... And then you just... The moment Mack got healthy, you just give him all the carries for a game, and he has a huge game. And you're like, well, I guess you just defied all odds. And I'm glad he panned out. I hope your roster of running backs can win a game. I don't know. I don't understand. Yeah, well... Shouldn't you just fix the offensive line so Andrew Luck wouldn't have got hurt in the first place to draft knowledge? Defense people? could use some help. I, it, yeah. They're just another team that's not rebuilding very well. Agreed. But to me, he's the he's guy to own probably going forward. We'll see. Hmm. He, he won me over. Yeah, even, oh, he's the guy to own. 100%. I, I agree with you. Dud last week because yeah. just because I didn't expect it. So I apologize. I told you not to pick him up. If you can still get him, please do. Yeah. I was wrong. Sorry. <laughs> but. I'll go on to my next stud that isn't in this game, believe it or not. I'm not talking about this game. Nick Chubb. So I wanted to just make sure that he was also in the same Marlon Mack area. I know he's not owned or available in a lot of leagues as well, but I just want to make sure that you can own him if you can because Cleveland had a lot of carries vacated by Carlos Hyde leaving. Uh, Paul's already pretty much said the same thing. He loves him. I I love him going forward. Mm -hmm. He's only available in 15% of leagues, but – He's a volume-based running back, too, no matter how he plays. Yeah. I, I don't know how you, you don't get running back two value out of him or similar production to something like David Johnson. And I think he just has a better situation all the way around with Nick Chubb than David Johnson even does going forward. Not throughout these names. I already mentioned them um, sleeper-wise in my running back segment. Um, Mostert, he's been so effective. Breida's been so banged up, and Morris is just not good. So... Especially with a team that still seems like they're committed. The Shanahan ball is committed to running. Um, so, Mostert, and I like Chris Ivory, too. Especially because if LaShawn McCoy gets healthy, maybe he's traded. Maybe they finally listen to our podcast and realize that, <laughs> what are we doing in Buffalo? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. maybe. I, just, I just love Jordan Matthews' quote when he was like, there's nothing to do in Buffalo but each other. <laughs> That's <laughs> probably right, man. You're definitely not going to go watch the Bills. Um, uh, <laughs> so bad. Feels so bad, man. 
Like, I'm looking at that list that I just mentioned. The San Francisco 49ers, I think they're doing a good job rebuilding. I, I, I like what they've done. They've had some horrid luck. Like, I think they really did a it's, good job getting a decent quarterback that looks like a projectable future that learned and sat for a while and is pro-ready right now. It just he tore his ACL on a yeah. fluke play. Like, they got Goodwin, yeah. who, like, looked like he had synergy with him from last season. I liked him a lot going coming into this season. He was nicked up the whole time when Garoppolo was healthy, and now, well... He's hurt, so or he's playing, but he, he has a new yeah. quarterback. McKinnon, like you mentioned just a second ago, Brita can't stay healthy for two seconds. Like, it just as much as negative tension, just because a huge contract for John Gruden and everybody wants to slam the Raiders and just say, "Oh, this has been horrible." I'd much rather be a Raiders fan than a Bills fan than a Colts fan. Like the future looks so bright because they're selling so hard and so well. Like, for, for real payout. Like, they're not just giving away Amari Cooper for a fifth-round pick. Like, that's a difference between a team that's improving themselves and not panicking and then holding on to people and then making a better trade. Out of five first-round draft picks, you can, even if you do horrible, you still get two very good players. Worst-case scenario, you get a Cleveland rebuild. Because Cleveland wasted more picks than I have ever seen by bailing on just getting nobody. Mm-hmm. Like, laughably bad at drafting. Mm-hmm. But their team is still better mm-hmm. after all of that. And they turned those picks into like 17 picks. They were just like, let me just throw 17 darts at a dartboard instead of one. Maybe I'll yeah. hit something. So I, Let's see. to me, I think it's they're, they, Cleveland's better. They're improving with all yeah. the young talent. I think Oakland's going to be heading in the same and direction. And they've still rebuilt well. I just sadly, I hate saying people should be fired and stuff like that. Hugh Jackson just needs to figure it out and change. I don't want to, I'm not going to say he needs to be fired, but he definitely needs to do something different because he is. He's holding that team back more than anybody. But anyways. It hurts. And I, I like their stability because I think that was the problem with Cleveland for basically the last decade. Is turnover. Is they just keep changing quarterback and coach every year mm-hmm. to a different one because it didn't work the first year. I think that's completely unreasonable to suggest that that would be how you improve. I think they improve under Hugh Jackson while him being the problem. <laughs> and then they pick an actual coach once they have some level of stability within their organization. Mm-hmm. It's just it's going to be a little rough for this year, it looks like. Yeah, Duds, uh, I've already talked about it. I don't like Danny Amendola. He's going to have the targets for sure. Does he turn him into anything? Uh, I don't think so. That's fair. Um, you meant, you, We kind of talked about all the rest of my studs, and we went over one dud. But to me, I'm kind of in the regard of I don't have any clear duds, so I just have people that I think are worth claiming because I think they're worth noting, but I don't want you to play in this week. And for me, that's actually Kenyon Barner. And so, Kenyon Barner for New England, I still kind of think they're going to pick somebody up. I think Michelle will be back before he could actually factor into being important. I agree. And so, this week, it's a maybe, but I honestly just believe James White just completely takes over. He should. And so, I think Barner has kind of a limited ceiling because he's probably going to get his first real play. He might have like 10 carries, but I don't, I don't see them really pounding the rock with yeah. Mart or Barner very much. So... I would be a guy to pick him up, and maybe Sonny Michelle injury hap- or lingers for a couple weeks, and maybe he gets two weeks if he plays well. Great, but I I don't think I want him in my lineup this first week, even in the flex percentage there. And for some reason, I'm a little bit not loving Morst the same way that you are. He's available in eighty nine percent of leagues, and I think he absolutely needs to be claimed because Alfred Morris has way too many carries. He has no upside, and that team's not winning. He only had carries again, though, once Brita got hurt last week. Correct. The game before that, Mostert outcarried him big time. Mm-hmm. You're going to see the same thing happen. And and that was basically, like, yeah, my next point was pretty much along the same lines. When Brita's there, that's when I'm kind of like, 
I don't trust him because there's just too many guys in that backfield that I think they're going to be giving carries to. For some reason, I think they're going to still keep giving carries to Morris. They're not trying to phase him out of the offense. But if Breida's healthy, I think Breida has played well enough to probably gain a fair lion's share of those carries as well. So I just think he's a little bit buried. But I, I want to own him because he, he's more talented than Alfred Morris. Yeah. And I think he could win the job as the, the season goes along. Maybe even from Breida because he can't stay on the field. Right. So I like to claim him, but I, I, I'm not loving the playing him this week. Even against an Arizona defense that's not like very good against the run at all. So I'm a little bit more wait and see. But I think we're both on the same page of trying to own him. Who is – help me on this. I have another dud. I just wrote down a note. Williams. I don't, I don't even know who that is. Tyrell Williams, maybe? Oh, yeah. He had a huge game last week. Yeah, he has, like, one huge catch a game and then two more targets. Literally for the last three years, you've been hearing Tyrell Williams is going to be the breakout receiver for that team. But now there's a bunch of them. So yeah. I'm completely on board that – He's been picked up a lot, but I – gosh, talk about boomer bust. He's the most extreme boomer bust candidate you can have. And then Mike Williams the same way in that offense. I'd rather take a flyer. Definitely on Martavis Bryant. The booker is – you're going to get more targets yeah. instantly. But they're the same style of player. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's my take. I think there's a lot of running back studs you can get this week. I wasn't too hot on Kenyon Barner. I just think that's kind of a waste of a waiver, waiver claim. Mm-hmm. Good for Sonny Michelle. I'm glad he's not hurt bad. Yeah, I agree. All right, all right. So now on to our final segment for the day. Fantasy Foresight. So... We're going to start with uh, our first foresight uh, of the night. But just give a name. It's not even... Just give the name? No, like, I don't want us to give any reasoning behind it. I just want us to give the name. Okay. Which Raiders running back has more touches this week? Jalen Richards, Doug Martin. Doug Martin. Jalen Richards. All right. Which running back has more yards this week? Raheem Morst or Kenyon Barner? Mostert. Raheem Mostert. You're right. Yes. I'm sorry. No, you're Raheem fine. Raheem Mostert. I think it's easily Mostert. I'm actually going to go Kenyon Barner. As much as I'm kind of like James White is the guy, I'm more worried about Mostert just because of the, the depth of the San Francisco situation. I could be very wrong on that, but I think Barner gets just a, a few more yards. I think they're both really close, though. I'm not very confident on that one. So. We'll see. The, the crystal ball is cloudy on that <laughs> prediction. <laughs> You're going to love this one. Which Raiders receiver has more <laughs> receiver fantasy points this week? Martavius Bryant or Jordy Nelson? It is interesting. Maybe Nelson has one more good game left in him. I like Bryant for sure, as long as he's not suspended. But uh, Bryant. Bryant has a higher ceiling, in my opinion, by far. But I think I'm going to go Jordy Nelson, actually, this week. I think Jordy Nelson has... The possession receiver reliability a little bit more, and he's had probably a little bit more of a clicking huge game. So, yeah, I don't know, maybe Jordy Nelson. All right. <laughs> so, which running back is a better backup to play this week, Latavius Murray or Chris Ivory? Well, assuming both of the starters are out, which it sounds like they're definitely out, yeah. Chris Ivory for sure to me. <sighs> this one was very hard as well. I think these are some really good questions to ask. I'm going to go Latavius Murray. I think he's been coming off of a lot more momentum than I ever would have imagined. Whenever we were talking about him a few weeks ago, I wasn't very high on him. And he's been playing way better than I would have ever given him credit for. So I'm going to ride the hot hand. I'm just going to think Buffalo's offense is just too bad to let Chris Ivory succeed. Because I think he's been just playing way better than I think is even possible for the last few weeks. So 
I think he hits, he runs into the, the true fates of Buffalo eating him too, so that there's just no one that comes out of that dumpster fire. All right, all right. And finally, which running back gets healthy first this week? Or I guess not this week because we're going to get either one. But first this season, Dalvin Cook or Leonard Fournette? Yeah, I thought this was a funny question. Uh, believe it or not, Fournette will be the first one to play in the football game. <laughs> you think so? Yeah. Ooh. I'm, I'm going Dalvin Cook. I, I think he's got to be close, right? He's been questionable for like four weeks. They're talking about uh, he doesn't play this week, and if he doesn't play this week, they're going to give him another game off into their bye week. Three more weeks without Dalvin Cook. I think that beats Fournette. We'll Fournette see. is coming back. They're thinking, well, I know the hide is a little bit suspicious, but they didn't give up anything really to get high to fifth round draft pick. But they said this week he's out, so they can rest him one more week through the bye week, and then he's back. So that's two more weeks you're looking without Fournette. So I'm thinking Dalvin. I'm thinking Dalvin. All I, right. I, I think he's too close. You can't say I was about ready to walk on the field and play two weeks ago, and then. You're out for three more weeks to be on that. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to play what his words were, not his actions. All right. The foresight's have been told. Yeah, a lot of differences. So we're going to yeah. see how we feel this next yeah, week. Yeah, we're completely different. So thanks for tuning in, everybody. Lots of stuff to cover today. Lots of different chatting. I think we mentioned maybe every team. Um, anything you want to say? We got close. Uh, I'll just say sorry about all the Oakland Indie comments, but I think it's going to end up being a more juiced fantasy matchup or interesting – Stuff for the rest of the season. I think it, it, a lot of stuff is going to be shaped out this week. And we will never talk about those two teams that much again. You can guarantee it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Adios. See ya.